I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In for the side. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Hello and welcome. We are the Outer Sanctum and it is actually an honour to be in here speaking to you today. While it's only been a week between shows, it feels like a year or maybe a decade with the way that things have changed since we last all got together. I am your host, Emma Race, and I am thrilled to be 1.5 metres away from these football-loving lady friends of mine. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I am Rana Unemployed Hussain. (laughs) Hello, it's Lucy Race here. It's Tess Armstrong here. We are so lucky to have a job to go to, as you mentioned right then, Rana. How's your week been, lady? Oh, look, it's been a rough one, but I have to say I'm doing all right. I'm coping. Um, Of course, I work at Richmond Footy Club, so I've been stood down for the minute. Um, And there's definitely, it's definitely a hard time. But I'm looking forward to my daughter's fifth birthday, which Mm -hmm. is in about three days' time. So I'm trying to plan an indoor birthday party with just the three of us, if you've got any ideas. I'd love to hear them. What are your current ideas? Look, I've started... A washing your hands game. (laughs) (laughs) I figured we could do like a pass the parcel where everybody wins a spoon from their drawer or something. (laughs) Yeah, 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 nice. Oh, no, Lucy Race, you've been locked up with your family of five. You've got um, older children. How's that going for you? Look, it's challenging. And I did have a birthday party this week, Rana, and we had a piñata. And because all five of us are at home at 5pm, we downed tools and we all went into the backyard and played a game of backyard cricket. So there were some silver linings. But, yeah, it's been an interesting week. I'm planning an online book group and I went to the drive-thru vet yesterday. Um, Things are changing. But I kind of feel like we're living in a time of the Global Disappointment Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) That everybody is facing disappointments big and small and it's it's such a bizarre thing that it's across everybody um, I know that there's a lot of other things that are a lot more serious than disappointments but it's an interesting time and I think you know off the back of the AFLW we're trying to work out where we put that the fact mm. that we don't have a premier um, I think I'm focusing myself on the fact that we still have the moments the moments don't disappear just because we don't have a premier and nothing will ever take away the joy and the emotion I felt when I watched Lily Mithin kick that goal. Oh, yeah, that's so oh, true. And yeah. we will talk about that. Tess Armstrong, you've been at the forefront of broadcasting all week and yes. a talkback must have been coming at you thick and fast this week. It's been actually, I, I thought if I could, if I was a writer like Nicole Hayes or Alicia sometimes, I might be able to put it into words, the type of experience that he's broadcasting in these times. It's unlike I've been on air when we've had terror attacks. I've been on air for a lot of bushfires and a lot of rolling coverage and I haven't ever experienced anything like this, where every single individual person is going through a million different things and we're all 
it's all under this umbrella of coronavirus and it's impacting on all of my friends and family. I have personal anxiety, but then I come through this door and my job is to distill the information that people need to know and give them a place to have a chat about it. And our talkback lines are, you know, full the whole time we're on air. It's, it's hundreds of calls, hundreds of emails, thousands of texts every single day. The amount of um, communication I'm having with the community is quite wild. And it's off the back, I might say, um, a big shout out to the rest of my ABC colleagues, but off the back of an intense summer of emergency broadcasting, I had a personal trauma in the middle of that and now I've come into coronavirus coverage and it's been a really relentless year. And I think you've got to look at the small wins and I feel like I'm lucky because one, I have a job and I'm really lucky about that. And two, I have an outlet for my questions. I've got Mm -hmm. so many questions and I come in here every day and kind of think, what are my friends and family asking? Can I get that answered today? Mm. And that makes me feel some semblance of power and control, which I'm a control person. So Mm. being completely out of control is wild. But I did want to posit something with you all because I I have the opportunity, which is sometimes a pleasure and sometimes a real pain to talk to everybody in the whole world when they call talk back. And they, the one thing I'm getting and that I think we all have to really think about is that every individual person is seeing and hearing the messaging from the government or the messaging from the council or the messaging from work as an individual. And we need to throw that out the window and we need to think about we're all sports people here, we're all sports lovers. We need to think about teams, team sport, right? If we're all individual sports people and the rules are you shouldn't go to the beach, but you can, but you shouldn't, then I'm going to go to the beach. But you have to assume that everybody else is also going to be inherently selfish and that that's not in a bad way, but that's who humans are, and think if everybody goes to the beach, then a whole lot of people are at the beach and we're not doing our bit. Mm-hmm. So you might need to cop a personal sacrifice and accept that the rule might be that you shouldn't go, but you might need to think that you can't go and then everybody else is not going to go, and then we're all going to do this together. Because so if we're individual, we're not going to get anywhere. We all need to play our role. We all need to play our role. We all role. need to evoke everything that we've ever heard from any of the good coaches and the <laughs> yes. bad ones too, and we need to play our role Absolutely. and be a team player. And we'll talk about that today on the show. We often hear um, another saying, which is it's all about the journey and not the destination. But does that really ring true mm. when you go through an AFLW season <laughs> and there is no premiership at the end? We will be asking this question to Trent Cooper, who is the coach of the undefeated Fremantle Dockers. <laughs> Sabrina Frederick is also from Tigerland. She's probably had a pretty tough week, but she's always up and about and pretty chipper. So we're going to check in with her and see how she is. And a gift for you later in the show is that we're going to catch up with Ben Crow, who's a high-performance coach who has worked with Hawthorne and with Richmond and now sits in the box of Ash Barty. And he's going to come along to kind of talk to us about the things that we... Um, the thing, did I say something silly then? You're no. laughing at me. No, no, no. Rana and I are 11 years old. Yeah, Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to talk about um, some ways to get you through and to inspire you, some positivity and some flexibility of thinking that I think we all need at this time. But before we do, last week we were preparing for the first round of AFLW finals and the first round of the men's competition was already up and running. Football's been cancelled, but it would be remiss of us not to celebrate the moments that wowed us from last week's games. This is how it rolled out. Two goals in round three, two in round four for the opening goal of the semi-final weekend. She's got it. Steph Piocci has really found a role that suits her, and it's this role, the hard-running role. As long as you don't run around the corner and straight into Jazzy Garner, the siren will sound with the ball in the air. Gavalis, 35 out, gives it a ride, puts it through! North Melbourne are in front of 
three-quarter time. Spoke of X-Factors and Jazzy Garner at the start of the day. She takes the saving mark. And it's a special slice of history for the Kangaroos. Mithin marks. Well, it couldn't be. We know she had the right syndesmosis injury pre-season. Her third game back for a second AFLW goal. Her most important kick yet. Mithin's got it. Unbelievable. The sweetest sound of all for Melbourne. Can you believe it? Off the canvas. Good awareness, but the kick not so good. Ricochets backwards. Handball across. Parker into the open goal. The Gold Coast Suns are on Duffy the Duffy on the end of it. Oh, what a goal. So it's Fremantle into a freedom and reset. Sophie Conway does well. She runs Jess Hosking down. So nine of the first ten inside 50s to Brisbane. Can they get a shot? Wardlaw against Moody, the dangerous Wooshner. Throws it on her boot, and that's a great start for Brisbane. Harris in the middle of that pack again, almost managed to bring it in. At ground level, it's slapped clear. Here's Downey for the Blues, can turn on her right side, give it to Vessio. Darcy, usually a precise finisher, and this is no exception. Still there for the Blues at ground level. They've got a couple of numbers. McAvoy, with strength, manages to chip it through. She's gonna get her third. Should the preliminary finals proceed next weekend? Here's Bates. Hosking back with courage. And the Blues are through. The decision by various state governments to close their borders and travel bans and other measures meant it was time for the AFL to immediately stop the AFLW and AFL competitions. Our industry provides livelihoods for thousands and thousands of people. But our key focus at the moment like every organisation in the country, is to do everything that needs to be done to slow the spread of this virus and to get people as healthy as possible. The final siren taking us out there for what could be quite a long hiatus um, for footy. One team that knocked our socks off this year <laughs> that we cannot ignore was the Fremantle Dockers. They didn't lose one game all season and it gives us the greatest of pleasure to welcome to the Sanctum the coach of the Frio Dockers, Trent Cooper. How are you, Trent? Uh, very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm an avid listener, so uh, really honoured to be on. Well... You say you're an avid listener. There's only one way I can test that, and that is by asking you, which is your favourite stovetop burner, Trent Cooper? Uh, easy, front right for me, front right. <laughs> we hear the package then. We hear uh, Gillan McLaughlin saying that the competition will cease at this point. We hear the final siren. How did all that make you feel? Yeah, it was really numb. Um, just sitting on the couch with my wife because we knew the announcement was coming. They'd said on the Fox, uh, so we hadn't received anything as a club or anything, so I didn't know what he was about to say. Sort of guessed that it wasn't going to be good. Um, but, yeah, so it just made made me feel really numb, uh, really disappointed for the girls that it was all over uh, at that time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a very surreal feeling, I suppose, at that stage. Trent, it's Tess here. You were my favourite team of the year and 7-zip undefeated. When you got that news, what was the what was the next time you had a chance to talk to all the team and get together and, and debrief? Because we saw some tweets from some of the team members and I backed them in about the confusion and the disappointment. When did you get a chance to talk to them and what did you say? Uh, it was So that happened on the Sunday. So the, the Monday night was, again, one of the most... The more the weirdest football meeting uh, I've ever had. It was the 
for girls all come into the club, um, we had to social distance. So in our lecture theatre, uh, such we're such a tight group that the girls always sit right at the front, take up every chair possible, not by instruction, that's just what they do. <laughs> but they had to sit with two spare seats in between them. And so they took up the whole lecture theatre but were spread right out. And it was um, yeah, it was a bizarre meeting and we just went through what the next bit looks for them, what they can and can't do. Um, so Peter Bell, uh, general manager of football, spoke to them um, about you know what the year they'd had and how proud he was of them. Mm. Um, I spoke to them, uh, not easily uh, to do at that stage. Cup might have been uh, choked up once or twice, but we got through, and um, and then you yeah, let them go on their way. And then we've just done their uh, outductions over uh, Webex and different things over the last day, uh, two days. We've done the whole thirty players um, at that time, so. It's just a bizarre way to to end the season, um, and, and yeah, like that we said, the meetings were uh, were were really raw, and hopefully, uh, don't have to happen again. Mm. Congratulations on the season, Trent. It's Lucy here. Um, now you're head coach, but coaching, as we know, is a team. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your coaching staff and some of the arrangements that you had in place this year. Yeah, we were really fortunate at the end of the um, it was 2018 season, both Amy Lavelle and Lisa Webb are retired. Uh, so that was before I got appointed. When I come on, um, I wanted to make sure we had, uh, to be honest, at least one female in the coaching staff to, to give that uh, perspective. Um, and I was recommended these two. I didn't know them at all. And they were both brilliant, uh, both both teachers. So they got on really well and they communicate their message. So they did a great job in 2019. Uh, but both were due to have babies in the off-season. Um, so I really wanted them to continue. I spoke with the club about that. Um, initially, we went through the sort of the, the pros and, and cons as far as the team performance would go, but we decided that, yes, we did want them to. So the, the biggest challenge was having them travel uh, with their babies, still feeding and that. So we, um, we, we went to the AFL, but we weren't successful in getting anything um, there funding-wise, but the AFL Coach Association were great and jumping on board and helping us, and Fremantle itself. So uh, we paid for two travelling companions to, to come across. Both girls took their mothers, and then we had little uh, Leo and Harvey uh, along for the ride with us, and that was a great experience to, to travel uh, with those two. The, the girls all got around, and they basically had 30 aunts looking after them the whole time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they just magically disappeared at the right time so, <laughs> from the grandmothers uh, and then they were you know, back in the room straight uh, straight after the game so it was such a good experience I thought it, it really showed the girls um, where we're heading in society I think and I think we were at the forefront of that um, so you know, we're really happy to do that plus we've got to keep two really good coaches so I, I think it was a, a win-win all around. Trent, that's beautiful and it gives me a lot of hope as to how the women's season might might look after all this is done and, it, and it's really lovely to hear all that. I'm interested in your thoughts about uh, how you feel the AFL have led this period of time. It's a tough time it's for, for leaders. I, I, I can't be too critical because it's like there's no there's no handbook uh, to deal with this. Um, I, I think they've made the right decision to suspend the season. I've got no doubt about that. Um, we were hoping that they just jumped straight to a grand final when it looked like there was only going to be one more week. Um, but they surveyed the players, and the players obviously 
went all the way down and said, yeah, which, which club he wasn't for, wouldn't say that they didn't want to be in the finals. So that was the result they got back from the survey and they went with that. So um, we were worried at that point that we wouldn't get to a full conclusion of the season. Um, and, yeah, that's how it turned out. Whatever they did, it wouldn't have been fair. It wouldn't have been fair on... Carlson or Collins, but no, whatever they did, someone would have been uh, unjustly dealt with. But I think in these times, we're about to find uh, fairness isn't going to be a quality, unfortunately, that's around a lot. We are speaking with Trent Cooper, the coach of the Fremantle Dockers in the AFLW. Trent, what does it look like at your footy club after the end of this week? Uh, it's empty. So we, um, on what day was it? Tuesday. Basically, you know, sort of everyone got told uh, where they where they sat, and then basically the club. But yeah, the, the girls have gone, the boys have gone the same day, and then uh, there's yeah, there's no one to be at the club at all. So those that are still working and doing it from home, um, and then yeah, just just trying to keep that communication up as much as possible with our players to um, to make them feel. So, like, to be honest, the mental health is the biggest thing at the moment. Um, now the boys hopefully have got the season to look forward to. Who knows how long that's going to be? And they'll have their challenges getting that through that themselves. But for our girls, like, Sunday morning, we're preparing for a final next week. And then by Monday night, everything's over. All, you know, all the staff are gone and uh, they're on their way. And not just on their way to do their own thing, they're on their way to do nothing. A lot of them in self-isolation. A lot of them had lost jobs in the lead up to the final as well, a few of our girls. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough time. So now the priority is just looking after each other. And to be honest, the main way we do that is just through a bit of fun with our WhatsApp groups and chat and different things. And, um, yeah, some really bad uh, recorder playing is very famous about the <laughs> Who's the worst? Uh, well, Laura Pugh's famous for being incredibly bad at reporter. So, um, yeah, it's good, good fun, that, that type of thing, just to keep everyone's spirits up. Trent, it is um, a tough time, but you did have an incredible season and I was lucky enough to get over to Fremantle Oval and see the... The fanatical support you get there is so is so great, and you have a rock star team, right? You've got all these Kara Bowers. Like I felt nervous when she was running past me. I was so excited because I was seeing her in real life. And I saw, I said last week, I saw Sabrina Duffy on the street, and I nearly had conniptions. <laughs> How for you? Who stood out to you this year? That who was the real highlight of the year for you? Well, there's so many. Like Kiara Bowers is the obvious one. Um, if anyone was going to get Corona, it was her because she just—if she got it, the whole competition was going to get it. She tackled a everybody. streaker. She tackled a streaker. It's yeah. going to be the highlight of the year for me. Not a streaker. Oh, no. A pitch invader. Well, sure, but I just—I yeah. mentally said streaker. Yeah, 99 tackles, and that one like rounds it round to 100. Amazing. So, yeah. um, so we had. So many highlights. The young ones coming in, um, no Roxy Rue, uh, Mim Strom was a highlight for me. An 18 year old who led our ruck was just amazing. But then, probably the biggest one was the improvement of players who'd been on the list for a year, like Laura Pugh, uh, Katie Jane Grieve in the middle uh, was, was fantastic. So, just the, the general improvement all around of the group. And then, yeah, it was, it was the team feeling and how uh, everyone supported each other. In that last game, every single one of our forwards kicked a goal. Um, which probably hasn't been done in AFLW before. So, and it was just the way that they all celebrated each other's uh, experiences and, and successes. And that was the best thing about us and, uh, and the thing that I'll treasure from, from this year. Trent, just before we say goodbye to you, we'd just actually like to check in and see how you're going personally because it's a lot that you've got on your plate there. 
Yeah, it is. But I, I think I'm fine. I'm probably you know, concentrating you know, on the girls and that. And I've also got a great um, family life, which you sort of tend to neglect a bit during the, you know, the footy season. So I'm going to spend a lot of time with the three-year-old and, um, and seven-month-old and my wife. You know, so she's working from home at the moment. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be fine. I'll, I'll enjoy this period. Well, one quick one for you, though. I think you'll enjoy with my three-year-old. Halfway through last year, I just took him back to my old footy ground uh, to for, to a game where the boys were playing, and he looked out in the ground and said, "Look, Daddy, boys." <laughs> he was surprised to see boys playing. So he wants to play well basketball. Well done there. And he wants to play basketball at the moment because he thinks footy's only for girls. Oh, so, uh, bless! It's, uh, it's changing world, which is which is a good thing. It is. And you are such a champion of women's sports and we know that you listen to the Outer Sanctum. We also know that you support Play On and Gemma Bastiani and we appreciate that you can see the value in what we put out there and we are appreciating what you're throwing back this way too. So thank you very much, Trent. We've really enjoyed watching your Frio Dockers this season. No worries at all. I normally listen to the show on the way home from training on a Monday. I'll have to find a different time to do it now. <laughs> Maybe when you're training for basketball with your son. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care, Trent. That was Trent Cooper from the Frio Dockers there, who's got a bit of time on his hands, but um, a chipper spirit, and we're very lucky to have him in the game. Now, the one thing that we wanted to do this week was I've got Rana and Lucy and Tess here with me, but we wanted to check in on the other sanctimers and make sure that they're going okay because we're all in isolation, and that is not the natural habitat of the sanctimers. <laughs> so we asked everyone to let us know how they were going and here's a little voice memo from Kate and Julia. You're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Julia, how are you, how are you doing? How are you feeling in this, this time? I feel strange, like we all do, like we're living... Within the Dark Knight Rises, and Catwoman coronavirus has come to tell us we've all been too greedy for too long, and things are going to change. What have you been doing? Have know. you been watching anything, listening to, reading anything nice? Uh, well, we've been watching. Is it called Morning Wars? I don't know. Uh, is it good? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good, but like there are times where I see them like in a restaurant or whatever, and I'm like, how can you? meet in a public place like that like I'm so permeated by what's happening it seems so quaint so that's been fun in my street they're doing this really cute thing so I don't know if you've ever read the book we're going on a bear hunt or if you've ever heard oh, of it yeah yeah totally we're going bear hunt. so we my street has a Facebook page and um were asked to put out bears so that little families of little kids can walk around and go on a bear hunt. So I've got my bears out. Yeah, we're talking on video and I noticed that we, um, you have those sitting behind you. I was going to ask, is one of them wearing a Darabin Falcons jumper? Yeah, that uh, Emma Race made for me, or made for the bear. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what... <laughs> I made it for you, but it was too small. So it went on the bear instead. I've just been nesting, really, doing a bit of gardening, doing a bit of cooking, just eating my weight in chocolate. What have you been up to? Well, I've been working from home. I actually have been pretty crook, as you know. Mm. I've had a I've had a pretty nasty cold and a and what turns out to be a chest infection. So I have been self isolating, which has been fine. Like a little bit unsettling at first, actually, just to be sick and think, yeah. gee, I hope it's not something more serious and 
but no, I'm okay. Um, I've sort of been what I watched one thing that I think I've probably raved to you about already, but which I thought was fantastic, which was on a streaming service. Um, <laughs> and it's called The Test. And so it's a oh, yeah. eight part, yeah, an eight part documentary about the Australian men's cricket team, sort of in the immediate aftermath of Sandpaper Gate. And it's absolutely fabulous. So I really recommend that. Otherwise, yeah, just. Yeah, same as you, being at home, mm. being out in the garden yeah. when I can, throwing the frisbee for my dog and yeah. Um, yeah. just hoping to ride it all out. I'm Darcy Vessio and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum Podcast. You are listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast, and uh, but it's on the radio. Um, Darcy Vessio has been just throwing the love on Instagram. If you don't already follow her, I am deep into following things on socials I've never followed before. I've had Andy Lee, the comedian, reading books to my children and probably your children too at the yeah. same time oh, yeah. on um, Instagram Live. That's been some sport for us as they all shout at him. Uh, and I've been enjoying just the silliness that people... People mm-hmm. um, are finding, they're finding a silly voice and Darcy Vessio is definitely leading that charge. Before the break, we caught up with what Kate and Julia were up to, but we we're also keen to check in with Nicole and Alicia. Thank you for being a friend. Hey! Hey, Hi, Nicole! <laughs> it's Alicia and Hi, How are you doing? How are you at home? I think um, I think we're all doing the same. We're kind of there's definite anxiety around this, um, and I feel like in Australia we've had prolonged anxiety because we had the bushfires before, and and now this. So you know, on the upside, I've always had a bit of a list of things I'd catch up on. You know, if I ever spent time in bed, so you know, or if I was ever stuck, and I kind of thought I'd have a broken leg or like a gallbladder surgery or something. This is a little different, but. You know, catching up on TV and those sorts of things. So um, what have you been doing? Well, I was a bit sick for a while. Like I had a flu or something like that for quite a bit. And I am in two minds. The kids are running around doing Nerf guns and making movies and uh, (laughs) doing everything they can with dinosaurs. But I... I mean, in a mode of panic because I've got things I can be doing, but every time I sit down, I'm distracted by a million things and my brain just can't fully comprehend everything. So I'm doing little bits of work, little bits of reading, little bits of enjoyment, but mostly I'm just, yeah, on adrenaline. So, yeah. 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 Well, I found I found some comfort like watching and comfort readings really helped a bit. I don't know, and comfort baking, but maybe I'll regret that later. I suspect. But um, I've been indulging in Dairy Girls again, which you must watch with the subtitles on. That's a warning, but it is just so delightful, and you feel such joy at the end of it. So, if you haven't watched it, guys out there, Sanctimers, get into it. If you have, go back and revisit it. It's still like it works a treat. And, you know, we can't have enough laughter at the moment. I like all those things and they distract me for a little bit and I've been re-watching Outlander and I have, you know, a bit of romance is good and then a bit of Westworld. Uh, I just find it hard to concentrate uh, on anything. So any new series, I loved Good Place. 
author Danielle Binks told me it was the best thing ever and it really is. It's really positive and, and cheery. But, yeah, so I'm just so distracted. And But one thing I'm doing is avoiding the news for the most part mm. of the day and then just choosing mm. the times that I check in. But anyway, yeah. we'll get through this out of Sanctimus. And Nicole, great to see your face. You too, Alicia. makes me go if you were a golden girl which would you be can i be b arthur please i thought i was b you're betty white i am not <laughs> you are definitely betty white okay these two have to uh, fight it out for blanche <laughs> well richmond were a huge inclusion into the aflw competition this season and while they registered zero wins it's not always. We were robbed. We like. would have won the last two. <laughs> it's not sure. always what it says on the scoreboard <laughs> that counts. As Rana told us, Richmond's not escaped the trauma of the week. But we welcome, as we welcome our dear friend who is always optimistic, the perpetually chipper Sabrina Frederick to the outer sanctum. How are you, Sabs? I'm good. I hope you're all well and your families are well. We're all well as we can be in this time. Mm. How are you? You've, I mean, football's mm. one thing. You've got a wedding to plan for. What's going on, Sabs? Yeah, yeah it's, it's obviously a bit crazy at the minute. And, yeah, obviously planning for the wedding in, in December. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, it all goes ahead. But obviously... Um, we don't know what's ahead, so we've just got to be planned for every situation. But it, like you said, I am very optimistic. I like to um, see myself as a glass half full type of person. I like to take the best out of every situation. And, um, yeah, it's been interesting the last few weeks. On that, Sabrina, it's Lucy here. I would love to ask you, is there something that you've learned as an elite athlete that is really helping you through this time that might actually help our listeners as well? Yeah, um, I would say just routine is a huge one. Um, I think at the moment, uh, with all this free time on people's hands, they're kind of driving themselves a bit crazy. Um, and I find that keeping a routine um, has really, really helped me. And, and I've learnt that through football is, you know, even on weekends, waking up at the same time and still trying to keep um, mm-hmm. the bare bones the same. Um, and that's really helped me and, and really um, my partner over the last um, week or so. Um, so that's what I think has really helped. Sabs, it's Tess here. As we mentioned, no wins on the, you know, we, we would have won the last two. We can always have that. But what, <laughs> what, what were the wins for you, the small wins? There were still mm. wins inside the club. So can you tell us about them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so strange. Obviously, in a game of football, people would love to, to see the ultimate score. But for us, you know, first year and, and a new team, um, I guess it was just for us to be competitive and, and get better every week, which mm-hmm. I think we actually did mm-hmm. um, with the goals that we had set um, for ourselves. We progressed every single week, um, which is a little win for us. I think also just having um, so many debutants who, you know, took it upon themselves to really focus and, and step up to the challenge, even if it was last minute with injuries or whatever it may be, which was a, a huge win. For us, and I think also just the way that we came together as a group in such a short amount of time, um, it's nice to know that we've come close and, and we've become a family um, and really gotten outside ourselves. A huge thing that we pride ourselves on at Richmond as a whole is is always thinking about other people. 
Um, so we set challenges throughout the year that have nothing to do with football, um, just to get outside ourselves and help people in our community or people that we don't know. Um, and that's been really nice to see some of our young girls really step up and um, push the envelope. Savvy, it's Rana here, and it's nice to talk to you. I haven't seen you in a little while. I know, it's been long. <laughs> um, have you been following what's been happening with the men's side of things and the CBA discussions? I mean, we started the year with women's CBA discussions. Just wondering mm. if you've been following it and what you think. Yeah, I mean, I've been following it a little bit. Um, I think I'm probably the last person to talk to about this just because I try and stay out of it as much as I possibly can because um, it's a bit of a it racks your brain a little bit because you don't really know the inside um, information. You only know what's sort of been uh, told to you by the media. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 I know it's a big process for them and um, the AFLPA have been working with them such a long time as they did us. And I think going forward in the future, they would love to see um, what a CBA that maybe can be combined or... Um, something that works for the both both playing groups going forward, but that's that's all I really know at this point in time. Sabs, it's Emma here. We know Rana has told us that there's been some big changes at Richmond this week, and with the fact that you work at the club as well as mm. being a footballer at the club, where does that leave you, and how are you going to proceed through this period, and and what are you looking towards? Yeah, um, so I think most people would know, but. If they don't, um, at Richmond, we've had to have um, most all, almost all of our staff um, stand down in this period um, that we're closed, um, which obviously is hard, um, hard to, to get your head around. But at the same time, I feel like our club has done really well at communicating what's going on and reassured us that we're trying to do everything we possibly can to put the club in a better situation for when we come back. Um, but also... I think just getting your head around the fact that this isn't a forever thing um, and sort of looking on the upside, like I said, of, of just having a bit more time on on our hands and, and I guess making those adjustments and, and, and focusing on yourself. Like I've had the last week and a half to focus on what I really want to focus on, um, which has been nice. And Sabs, we've all been sharing the stuff we're watching or listening to or reading or whatever away from mm. Corona, away from footy. How, what have you got as a recommendation for us? Ooh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. I've, I've been, I, I actually got really into watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. I love um, them. So the directors <laughs> cut the super long ones. We've got time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I've um, been doing that over the last um, few days, which has been really cool seeing her reaction, and she's loved it. Um, and I haven't actually I haven't watched much TV. Like, I've really tried to... I've tried to put a boundary in place of how much TV I'm consuming. Mm-hmm. Like over this time, I've honestly tried to just sort of get outside more, um, exercise more, spend more time doing puzzles. I've been doing a jigsaw puzzle. So good. Um, yeah, I, so I, don't, like... I don't really have that many recommendations, actually. I haven't really been watching that much or reading that much. I've just been sort of doing other things. Lord of the Rings will keep you in front of the telly for the next six months. So that's a good <laughs> yeah, recommendation. Yeah. Sabs, it sounds like you are potentially in isolation but training for Survivor with all those puzzles and keeping fit. <laughs> yeah, so we look, yeah. we look forward to seeing what uh, 2021, um, the new and improved <laughs> um, ISO version 
of Sabrina Frederick will look like. Thank you so much for joining us on The Outer Sanctum and thank you for being such a good sport and for always um, really flying the flag. You're a really important person to the AFLW competition and to women and girls. Um, and we thank you so much for the time that you always give us. Oh, no problem at all. I'm part of the Outer Sanctum family and I always appreciate your time as well. So thank you. Bless. Sabrina Frederick from the Richmond Footy Club there. Um, we're all getting a bit teary in the eyes thinking about um, our community. It's mm. so important. One thing you touched on there, Rana, was there has been some negotiations in the AFLM um, player contracts for this period pay, uh, player mm. payment. Um, there was a breakthrough last night where they came to a negotiation which I think was 50-50 pay until the competition comes back and then it, to be renegotiated. Yeah. Interestingly, Chad Wingard's been my kind of beacon through all of this and um, in response to an article which we posted on our socials that Caroline Wilson wrote, which was quite scathing actually of the players, um, but I don't necessarily think unfairly. I think I think what's really hard is to get your head around the fact that a lot of people, most people in the community have lost their jobs this mm. week and it's unprecedented. We've mm. never seen it before. So to hear the kinds of numbers being thrown around, even if at, it's at half wage, that an acknowledgement that these players are still getting paid at, at 50% more than what most of us will ever make. Um, it's a very challenging time and people talk about um, the PR story behind it. But I think um, Chad Wingard has said it pretty well on Twitter where he said, stop interviewing the stars and legends of the game who've been on this great wicket for seven plus years. Interview the players who will actually struggle. Mm. And so there are some players... Marlon Pickett, for one, who is not on a huge wage. And so 50% for him and having moved into state and having a, a big family that he has to support, that will be a struggle for him. And I think that um, that there is... There's a lot of... I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about the <laughs> negotiations. Do you guys want to weigh in? Lucy, you have a lot of thoughts too. Always, always have thoughts. Um, I guess one of the things that's really been top of mind for me is that while we've been talking about AFL players and what they might get paid... I'm also thinking of all of the people who play, who pay club memberships and who I imagine the football clubs are all wanting them to keep their money um, in the clubs. And I would imagine there are a lot of those people who have lost jobs and who are now thinking about how to get food on the table. And so it's one thing to ask members of clubs to stick fat, um, but I think it can sometimes seem a little unpalatable when you've got people arguing for 50% of massive salaries when they're not working. Yeah, and it's it's weird because we saw what the game looked like without crowds and, and how lifeless it felt. Mm. And in this new world that is seemingly awaiting us at the end of all this, you know, what will football look like and how will football clubs and the AFL connect with community now and be there for community? I guess mm -hmm. those are the questions swimming in my head. Yeah, and I... <laughs> I feel torn a bit, right, because I actually think philosophically if I'm thinking about any of us as employees of companies, businesses, there's a line being run at the moment by government and also by the business council to say trust businesses to do the right thing by their employees. And I actually don't buy into that. I think employees have to fight for their right and they have to fight for their pay and I don't begrudge the players for wanting to support their families and for wanting to keep their pay and for wanting to do all of that. The issue is whether or not that is... Um, the conversations are the same, for example, when the women wanted to fight for their pay. And I don't know that the coverage and the conversation was the same, seeing as them as employees doing their 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 right. But I also think we need to make sure that these negotiations support the lower paid players as well as the higher paid players and that they recognise their role in the community and that they're not going to have the same role 
later on as they do right now. It's interesting. Last week, Rana, you said football often reflects community mm. and what doesn't reflect community is being told that you're going to be stood down and then you saying, actually, no, I'll be taking 50% pay, thanks, because that doesn't happen anywhere else Absolutely in the community. Not. And totally. that's what we've seen the AFL men's players be able to achieve with their union. Um, now, our next guest is a performance coach and a leadership mentor. It's a real treat to speak to him. Last time I spoke to him on radio, I walked out feeling like I could win Wimbledon. Uh, we welcome to the Outer Sanctum, Ben Crow. How are you, Ben? I'm good, thank you, Emma. How are you? I'm really well. Now, you have worked with Hawthorne, with Alistair Clarkson very closely. You've also worked with Richmond, and now you work with Ash Barty. So just, you know, some pretty (laughs) spectacular CV there. But the thing that you do so well is, uh, like my dear close and personal friend Brene Brown, is that you talk (laughs) about vulnerability and how vulnerability can be a place from which to grow. We couldn't be feeling more vulnerable than we are right now. How can we turn this into a growth moment? Yeah, good question. Um, I guess the definition of vulnerability or one of the definitions of vulnerability is risk, uncertainty and emotional exposure. And it's fair to say that right now in the history of the planet, there wouldn't be greater levels of uncertainty and risk and emotional exposure. Um, and I guess those who understand that and embracing that as a strength, and I guess most people's anxiety at the moment is coming from uncertainty. Um, once you accept the uncertainty of the planet um, and let it go and you can focus your attention on the things you can control, life's a little bit easier. Um, but if you want things to be certain or you have this expectation that things are going to be certain, I think expectations and entitlement, whatever expectations we had of, of our years have literally been thrown out of the window. So I guess the quicker we can accept that, and, and that's where embracing vulnerabilities of strength enables you to be more uh, open, open-minded, um, more compassionate uh, for yourself and, and for others, and then maintain that, that strong level of connection, even though physically we're being asked to be uh, disconnected on some of them. Ben, it's Lucy here. Uh, people, I guess, often derive their identity from what they do. I'm really interested in how we can shift our mindset at a time when, you know, for a lot of people, we've lost our jobs. Yeah, what's, yeah, good point. And it's probably really important to make right at the outset that everyone's perspective now is very, very different, be it financially or, or mentally or, or socially. You know, for someone that's just lost their job, for someone that's just laid off 100 people or 200 people. But, yeah, well, the critical element is to separate the person from the persona and not determine your self-worth by what you do, how much money you've got, what you look like, whether you win or lose a game of tennis, um, and and really separating the persona, your ego and your identity from the person. Um, Unfortunately, as you said, most of us kind of um, combine the two together. So when we lose our job, we effectively feel like we've lost our self-worth. And it's really hard to get that perspective back um, and, and focus our attention on a sense of dare I say, gratitude or, or um, acceptance of the things that we do have. Hmm. I really needed to hear that. <laughs> I work at Richmond Footy Club uh, and it's been a tough time. But I'm interested, we talk at Richmond a lot about authenticity and the team have definitely come out of the gates with that and, and that concept. Um, but you work with a lot of individuals in individual sports like Ash Barty, but I'm interested in how that authenticity conversation translate translates to a team environment, particularly in a footy culture where fitting in is often the culture? Yeah, um, authenticity is really when you can give yourself permission to be imperfect but unconditionally worthy. And if you can do that, you can take off that 
perfection mask or that perfection armor and just let yourself be seen, you know, truly seen, vulnerably seen. And from that, your authenticity kind of comes to life. And then you can just be yourself. Um, and then you can you say to yourself, you're worthy of love, belonging, connection. If you can't say that, you feel like you've got to be someone you're not. You've got to fit in. And fitting in and belonging are diametrically opposed. You know, fitting in means you don't believe that you're enough and you need to fit into what you believe someone thinks of you or saying about you versus belonging believes you're authentically already enough, imperfections and all. Um, and it's kind of making sense of your life story and realising that your life story is not your life, it's just your story or the author of it. If you can take only your story, imperfections and all, and believe that you're unconditionally worthy, you didn't got the all the power in the world, you have the courage to fall down, to get up again, the courage to follow your dreams, the the courage to be disliked. So you don't want to be disliked, but you've got the courage to be disliked because you no longer care what people think about you. It's what you think about yourself. And if leaders create that environment, say at Richmond, then that creates permission and safety and normalizes imperfection for everyone else to, to do the same thing. And then you create that beautiful connection as a, as a consequence of that. And we've, and we've seen the great benefits of that with the people that you've worked for who've really bought in. Ben, I wanted to question, I, 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 this might be a bigger question, picture question but we see at Richmond for example that authenticity when they buy in it has an, an impact on and off the field and then other teams look at what they've done we often look at the last winner of anything and think well we'll just do what they did but that in, in, in itself is inauthentic if you think oh we're just going to do what they did can you tell when people aren't, aren't fully buying in and how do you get them over the line from when they think they're doing it for the wrong reasons for example and then they truly buy in yeah, you've got to find your own story, your own narrative based on your own personalities and your own belief systems and so forth. And what works for one team doesn't work for another team. The principles apply universally, um, whether it's the principles of purpose mindset, you know, focusing your attention on a sense of um, fulfillment and contribution beyond yourself or performance mindset, accepting the things you can't control and, and focusing back on the things you can. But in terms of finding um, the best connection with any team or, or family, it's got to base on a common set of beliefs and values. And that's hard work. And most of us don't want to do that. Most of us don't want to lean into the that risk and uncertainty to put ourselves out there. Um, so we continuously put that mask on that armour for self-preservation purposes because I don't want you to know that I'm not perfect. Um, so that's often, it's often fear that's kind of preventing, you know, the true authenticity of teams from coming to life. Ben, I'd love to hear what your one suggestion would be for people just in this time where we are unable to control a whole lot of stuff. What is one thing that people can do to try and help them get through this period? Yeah, um, yeah the one thing they can do is let go of and accept the things they can't control, embrace the uncertainty and focus back on the things that they can control and the best version of themselves and create those kind of positive courage mantras, which might be as simple as I've got this, you know, I can get through this um, and focusing your attention on those elements. And there are so many distractions in the world right now that's sabotaging our sense of self and sabotaging our, I never thought I'd say this, but life as an actual performance, <laughs> per se, um, and developing those, hope, those healthy coping strategies, which might be as simple as creating habits, because routine and habits do create an element of certainty and require less mental energy. So it, it might be just regular waking times and bedtimes or morning rituals 
you know, if you win the morning, typically you can win the day. Um, and identifying what your flavour of distractions are. For most of us, it's when we wake up in the morning and we, we grab our phones. It can, be, it can take you two hours to get out of bed once you go through Twitter and all the various mm. elements. Um, if that's a distraction causing anxiety, well, then maybe find your information through whether it's health.gov.au or you know, australia.gov or the World Health Organisation or some other elements because, um, unfortunately, the three biggest storytellers on the planet that are telling us who we are today is the media industry, the social media industry, and the advertising industry. Mm. Now, they're the most powerful storytellers on the planet trying to tell us who we are. So in times of stress, the media industry, in particular the news media industry, is predicated on negativity. So if you watch tonight's news, 72% of the stories will be negative. It's the formula. But we've also got this negative unconscious bias telling ourselves that we're not enough. So it's negativity meeting negativity. Then you've got the social media industry, and that's predicated on self and comparing ourselves and FOMO and perfection of self, unfortunately. And then you've got the advertising industry, which is, is predicated on shame, you know, that you're not enough until you buy that car or that handbag or that watch and so forth. So they're the three biggest storytellers. So if, if you let them tell you who you are and where the world's at, you're going to be anxious pretty well straight away. So taking ownership of who you are and creating those positive affirmations for yourself and reminding yourself of those positive affirmations is, is probably the most important advice I'd give anyone right now. Ben, there's one place that people can also go to probably make themselves feel better, and that's your website. We're going to put all of the links on our socials because what you have to say actually does lift the burden and it makes everything feel pretty simple and straightforward. Thank you so much for sharing um, some of your concepts and ideas and experience with us today. We're so grateful and best of luck through this very trying period um, to you and your family as well. Yeah, thank you very much, Emma. All the very best. That was Ben Crow there, who is a performance coach and leadership mentor. He's so extraordinary. We will put all the links on the website so you can go and spend some time with Ben Crow like we just did. It is time to check in with Felicity and Shelley and find out how they've been going. Hi, Shell. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm coming up with lists of things to, to do around the house while I'm inside at the moment. It's been quite interesting. So, so what have you got so far, Felicity? All right. So I have a pantry moth plague. And I decided that I would take it on. I'll empty out the pantry. I'll get rid of these pantry moths once and for all. So I Googled like the instructions, like what, you know, how do you get rid of them? And number one, throw out all the contents of your pantry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> no, as, I, as I've said before, I may as well burn toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm. Have you decided to take up and learn something new during this time? Um, well, I, other than the pantry moth life cycle, I know a lot more about <laughs> larvae and <laughs> where they live. Um, no, I'm still I'm working and um, so that's keeping me entertained, um, somehow trying to transition to doing a, a sales job from home and, you know, I normally spend all my time in aged care and um, it's a challenging area at the moment. But yes. one of the things I thought I might um, I might do is give up shampoo. So, oh, no, not in this house. No you know way. People, no, you know how people say that it's really terrible for two weeks and then your life changes after that? So, yeah, I've so you, that. I've yeah. for six weeks and it didn't oh, work, so I shampoo every day. Oh, six <laughs> weeks. Okay. 
All right. I just thought maybe if I went two weeks and then like wore a hat or something and um, give it a go. Could try That's it. A good idea. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, why not? What's, what's going on at your end? Well, I bought a pasta maker because there's a lady over in Italy in her, her 80s that is sharing her secrets on how to make pasta on the internet. So I'm going to get on the internet and listen to what she has to say about making pasta and make fresh pasta. So I'm looking forward to that. That's excellent. Hey, if you, yeah. need, if you need any um, slightly weevil-ridden flour for your pasta, <laughs> I'll, I'll be getting rid of some. Uh, no, thanks for the offer though. <laughs> this is interesting now, isn't it? I know. I think this might be the new way forward to staying connected. Mm. I hope everyone stays safe. Me too. Um, it'd be nice to see you one day, but it's um, it's lovely to chat to you today. Sure is. Stay healthy, gorgeous girl. Bye. Bye. Felicity and Shelley there. Oh, I miss our little gang so much. Do you know what's been lovely this week, though, is there's been a little little treat for you, Rana. Absolutely. Treat for everyone, all the kids at home. Our wonderful Nicole Hayes, along with Adrian Beck, wrote a book for the AFL and Hardy Grant called Little Legends. It's a, um, a short novel for little kids playing footy. And in this series of books is a little character named Rana. <laughs> oh, my goodness it's so amazing Nicole uh, wrote this book alongside Adrian and they've included a character a little Muslim girl wearing a hijab called Rana who plays taekwondo and is really fierce so I'm very honoured that is actually just delightful and she's so cute and so kick-ass <laughs> oh, I love her I love her so much she's adorable your daughter Hawa is just gonna love seeing that Lucy what did uh, what did you see that made you laugh this week I have been dipping into quite a bit of social media and on Twitter I am really enjoying the stylings of at Nick Heath Sport. Nick Heath is a sports commentator and in the absence of live sport he's taken to commentating daily life. Things like pigeon dressage. Um, Here's a little treat called Mundane Walk for you. Well, you join us live here on Tooting Common once again. Carla the Cavapoo coming along very nicely on the mundane walk. And, oh, my goodness, who's this? Oh, it's Colin. He's broken free. Bless you. Uh, he's, uh, well, he's going to be disqualified. Carla, she seems quite happy, though. 5.8 across the board. Lovely. <laughs> Tess, you've got a new puppy. Will you be commentating anytime soon? 100%. You can all expect Bobby content. Bobby going outside and running out in the backyard content. We have been loving everyone getting involved on our socials and we've been putting up some really silly videos. Lucy, you are in line for an Academy Award, I reckon. Thanks. You've been particularly silly with your long leg. Uh, And we're about to, after this, we're going to get on and do some Insta Live if you want to have a chat to us after the show and we look forward to speaking to you then. We hope you all stay in contact with each other and stay connected. I'd like to thank the people who joined us on the show today. We'd like to thank Trent Cooper, Sabrina Frederick, Ben Crow. You can go to his website and check out all of his pearls of wisdom. They will definitely make you feel better. We have been so pleased to be here and at this stage, we will be back again Mm -hmm. next week. Uh, We will keep bringing you the podcast um, no matter what, in whatever form that we can. And to be honest, there's really only one thing that we have left to say and that is stay at home. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.